0: Welcome back to the Doggy Juice Pod, changing the way you think as a sports matter. This is episode number 73, Friday, January 17th, 2020, and my apologies for releasing this one day later than I normally do. In this episode, I'm just going to dive into some quick hitters and then break down this weekend's two NFL Conference Championship games, including a couple of prop plays and my favorite teaser play of the NFL playoffs. Let's jump right in. Yeah. Putting a bow on the college football season. A special congratulations to Joe Burrow, Ed Orgeron, and LSU for winning the college football playoff national championship 42-25 this week. They took my money. If you listened to the podcast the past couple of weeks, you know that I was on Clemson. I really liked that play a lot. I was able to find plus 7, uh, minus 130 earlier on last week or midweek last week. It seemed to be that all the sharps were on Clemson getting that many points the line was was inflated we even reached out up at chicago bet indiana news to odds makers around the country and they all seemed to, to think actually all of them said that all except one i believe said that the value was on clemson in that spot and there's no doubt in my mind still that clemson was the value side but the game still have to be played out and clemson did come out strong built that 17 to 7 lead But kudos to Burrow for battling right back. They scored right away when that game got to 17-7. The line was at plus 3.5. I saw the money line for LSU at plus 142 at that point. But that was as good as it got for Clemson. You know, at the same time, everyone who bet LSU thinks they made a great bet. And hey, they, they did cash their tickets. But this is where confirmation bias dooms some bettors and why so many of those LSU backers on Monday night will be losing their money in the NFL this weekend. LSU won fair and square, so this isn't sour grapes, but all the little 50-50s did seem to go their way on Monday night. The refs missed a blatant out-of-bounds call on a a touchdown drive that Clemson, after Clemson got it to within one score, was a close game. That was a huge drive in, in the game for momentum, too. LSU converted on several long third downs, including a third and 19, a key third and 11, um, the Clemson defender dropped an easy pick six at the start of the second half. That could have really changed the complexion of the game on, on that third down. I know LSU ended up punting after that one, but Clemson could have, I believe they could have maybe even taken the lead on that one. But um, And then also the Clemson's star linebacker and the leader of the defense, James Skalski, he was ejected for a targeting penalty that, Wasn't even noticed during the play itself, but by the letter of the law, that was the right call, but it's just brutal. They really need to take a look at that rule, Um, and Skowski was out of the game, so they lost their, their heart and soul of their defense, Clemson did in that game, and Clemson just also couldn't convert on third downs as well. So be careful thinking that you were on the right side if you were an LSU backer. You got the money, and LSU did deserve to cover. They they were the better team, and their secondary didn't give the Clemson wide receivers any room to operate, which I thought was very impressive. But that could have easily gone the other way, or the other way in, in the second half, and if a couple of plays went differently, could have been a lot closer. And it demonstrates the vagaries of sports betting, but nonetheless. It was another awesome college football season. I can't believe that it's already come and gone. I'm sad to see it go away for a while, but in just a few short months, the grind to getting ready for another exciting season will be upon us. (coughs) Bet Indiana got its temporary sports betting license this week. Incredibly exciting news for the company I work for, USA Sports Gaming. The Twitter sphere took notice afterwards. Everyone seemed to be talking about it earlier in the week. I'm really excited to be a part of America's first and only sports betting startup, sports betting operator, and I'm a full believer that we will bring a product that is unique and different than all the others. It's going to be billed as your hometown sports book, Bet Indiana. It's going to offer action on events from around the world with the convenience of wagering from anywhere in the state via a mobile device. The launch date isn't official yet, but definitely be on the lookout for Bet Indiana in the Hoosier State very soon. It's very exciting stuff. Speaking of Indiana, the Indiana Gaming Commission approved exotic wagers for this year's Super Bowl that Nevada only dreamed of offering over the past couple decades. New Jersey offered some of these last year too, but it's exciting nonetheless. I wrote about this for Bet Chicago and Bet Indiana News, but some of the wagers that the Gaming Commission approved include the color of the Gatorade that's going to be poured on the winning coach of the Super Bowl, um, the player, whether or not they correctly call the coin toss, the team to win the coin toss and the game, will there be a flea flicker, Uh, uh, will a certain player retire after the game, and who the Super Bowl MVP thinks first after the game. So it's exciting to see these types of wagers. Obviously, the limits are very small on them, but it just shows progress and and the state of Indiana, the gaming commission is willing to adapt with the times and be innovative and, and allow these types of bets to take place. Because honestly, like when they take place in a regulated environment, everything's above board. People see where the money's coming from, and the the limits are so small. So it's you know if someone does have that insider info and, and knows some of the answers to these questions, like the Gatorade, they're not going to be able to get down enough to you know to really hamstring the books or anything like that and obviously the books you know they they move the lines accordingly books talk people notice so i just think it's it's an exciting development for for the state of indiana and speaking of which too i mean indiana hauled in almost 436 million dollars in total handles since the state went live with sports betting back in september that's through september through december numbers there and books held about 12 million dollars of that $436 million handle, resulting in the state taking in $3.7 million in sports betting revenue. Where are you at, Illinois? Major League Baseball laid down the hammer on the Houston Astros this week. Unless you've been living under a rock, you know that yesterday was a wild day. For Major League Baseball, and a very dark one too. New details and wild accusations are coming out of the woodwork on the Astros and their buzzers. I'm not going to dive into exactly what happened because you can easily dig that information up and encounter plenty of amateur Twitter sleuths and conjecture out there as well. But one thing I will say is if there's one thing that I've learned studying sports law and particularly sports betting law here in the new post-PASPA sports betting environment here in America, it's that... The integrity of sports is of the utmost importance. The integrity of these games, it quite literally means everything. Once public confidence in your product goes down, the shitter, all is lost. And it's why you see lifetime bans for betting, the Pete Rose situations, why leagues take these, these matters so seriously, such a hardline approach. Integrity means everything. And obviously Major League Baseball's integrity is being called into question. It was a very dark day yesterday for, for Major League Baseball, and this whole week is just a complete nightmare for them. And yet at the same time, while all this is going on, Major League Baseball is clamoring for integrity fees from sports betting operators. I think that's laughable. You have to get control of your own house first and before you start you know, reaching your hand in the cookie jar and taking money from sports betting. You need to look at your own selves, look at your own league, And get control of your own league first. College basketball conference slate is in full swing. It's a daily grind for me. I have touched on my college hoops process here in the past, but I'm doing numbers for the next day's games and late afternoon, you know, the night before, locking in my positions then. And obviously some nights are more busy than others. Friday is such a grind heading into the crazy Saturday slates, but... There's no doubt in my mind that the difference between winning and losing in the long run is getting at these numbers early. But this is also a perfect time to bring up another concept that sometimes closing line value just doesn't mean anything, and and that was the case for me yesterday. I posted an article on Bet Chicago, Bet Indiana News at you know around four in the morning. Got great numbers and everything at the numbers that were available at that time um, on the plays that I liked. They were great numbers, and the line ended up moving in my favor on literally every single play, and these are all, you know, totals, and um, the totals that I bet, they moved like four or five points in my favor, and one of them I did play back a little bit um, just because I took a little bit bigger of a position with more confidence that the line would move, but almost all those plays lost, even though I got four or five points of of closing line value, and that happens. I mean, honestly, it's just part of sports betting is – getting that closing line value, beating the market and still losing. I mean it's still the same edge. The game still has to be played and you have to be prepared for that. And it's it's tough mentally to like beat the market like that because for me, like that's that's the tough part is beating the market and trying to get the best number. That's what I strive for and getting that closing line value. But sometimes it's not enough. You just have to trust the long term and that's literally what I have to tell myself after days. Like yesterday, it can be frustrating at times, but you just have to roll with the punches, trust the long term. It is a grind. You have to just remain true to your process, keep that bankroll management check. One slip up and the books gain that edge. And in terms of college hoops tonight, check out the the piece I wrote for uh, for Bet Chicago, Bet Indiana News on the Friday college hoop slate. But my Iowa Hawkeyes are playing tonight. Luca Garza, shout out. Dude is having an incredible year. And the last time he faced off against Michigan, he dropped 44 on them. But Michigan won that game, and they combined for 194 points, both those teams in that game. But my big angle with Iowa has been the Iowa unders, the underrun. I've been touching on this um, in previous articles for the, the sites, and and I still think the market has not caught up to Iowa totals, especially since that that 103-91 to loss against Michigan on December 6th. And the eight games since that, uh, since that one, Iowa unders have gone seven and one, and it's the unders have cashed in five straight at home. But I, you know, there's a lot of reasons for this, and I think a big one is Jordan Bohannon, the senior point guard for the Hawkeyes. He decided to redshirt for the season after the Iowa State game, which was two games after the Michigan game, and the Iowa offense has kind of has changed its dynamic a bit since he was taken out that Iowa started the season out with just tons of high scoring games they were the most efficient offense according to Ken Palm's metrics that you know they had the most points per 100 possessions they were really killing it early on their offensive efficiency numbers are still up there but they have dropped I mean the Hawkeyes they've averaged 70.7 points per game over their last three games in the Big Ten which is way below their season average of 79.3 I still think the market's a little slow on this one. They opened the the total for Michigan-Iowa tonight at one. I got it at 148. Then it ticked down to 147 and a half. Then it went up to 149 and a half this morning, where it's currently sitting. although it's starting to come back down now as I'm recording this. So, you know, anything over 146 is good on my stuff. I've got it just over 143, 143.2, I think exactly after it was all said and done. But um, there's a nice edge here on the Hawk guys. I think Michigan. You're gonna see a nice. Defensive effort from them after losing to Minnesota on, on Sunday. And also, obviously, they want to contain Garza. So I think Michigan's really going to prioritize controlling Garza and make Iowa beat them from elsewhere. So, you know, it could go down in flames, just like that whole CLV talk I was talking about. Um, you know, just at best, I, I have like a 3 4% edge on my numbers, betting this at 148. So it's not a crazy edge. You just have to assemble your portfolio with a bunch of those edges and trust the long term. But I do think that Iowa... And Michigan, the under tonight, is a great look at Carver-Hawkeye Arena. And that's going to do it for the quick hitters. Let's now jump into Sunday's NFL Conference Championship Games. Starting out with the AFC, the Chiefs, minus 7, I'm seeing minus 7, minus 120. You can see some minus 7.5 with no juice. Total 53 against the Titans. The Titans obviously beat the Ravens with a big upset last Saturday night, and the Ravens became the sixth team in the modern age to go 14-2 or better and lose in the first round of the playoffs. The Titans' win over Baltimore, I think, was incredibly lucky. No team has ever won a game in NFL playoff history getting outgained by 230 yards like Tennessee did. The Titans were also plus three in turnovers, but Baltimore, who was one of the best teams in the NFL in fourth downs, they went 0-4 on fourth downs, and... All of those seem to be in key spots, key spots on the field where they were, you know, they could have kicked a field where not to say that that's, you know, the move is to go for it in a lot of those spots. It just didn't work out for them. It's kind of like the variance I was talking about with college basketball totals. So the Titans won, and this is now their fourth straight must-win road game in a row. And you just have to wonder how they can keep doing it, how much damn mileage Derek Henry's legs can handle. He's averaging over 30 Uh, carries per game that does take its toll on you look at Todd Gurley this year Uh, they ran him into the ground and as a Derrick Henry owner in a couple keeper leagues have to decide if they're just running him to the ground so much they don't want to keep him in a fantasy football keeper league next year that's another story entirely but the the fatigue factor is there for the Titans I think that the Chiefs will look to come out swinging also especially after going down 24 to zero against the Texans how about that comeback too that's crazy but Andy Reid chiefs coach he's a master at scripted plays like probably the best nfl coach and scripting out a ton of plays beforehand on offense i think that mahomes and and his receivers the running backs they're going to get on the board early in this one And if they do it's hard to find confidence in this titans team keeping it close tennessee has interestingly scored or sorry 24 straight scores have been touchdowns for the titans they haven't kicked a field goal since bin laden was still in charge of the taliban and their new kicker hasn't even kicked one yet i believe the the guy they've been there so any kicking props that you can look at you know especially chiefs versus titans kicking props because the chiefs kicker bucker he has a a nice leg he can you know i like him for the longest field goal obviously in this prop but total field goals for the titans should be around one and a half Uh, in this game probably heavy juice on the under hopefully nothing too crazy probably if it's even if it's uh I mean, You have to obviously look at the numbers this one's going to be something that the market's going to look to get after as well. But total field goals for the Titans, yeah, one and a half probably. I'd still look that way. Longest field goal prop. Chiefs versus Titans want to look that way. you will probably have to pay heavy juice, probably minus 160, minus 170 in that range there. I'd still probably look to do it up to that price. I still think it's worth it because they should find themselves in the scoring positions plenty of times, the Chiefs. And the game script obviously calls for the Titans needing touchdowns at the end instead of field goals to catch up. So... And especially with a, an unfamiliar kicker and a tough environment at Arrowhead Stadium, it's really hard to envision the Titans getting that many field goals in this game. So field goal props, I think, is a good way to look. And if you're looking to play on playoff trends, then Ryan Tannehill under two hundred high 220s, but around 230 passing yards, that makes a lot of sense. He's put up like 88 passing yards in his team's last two victories as they've relied heavily on, on Derrick Henry. but. You know, that's just if you're looking to get into play on the trends. I actually think that Tannehill could end up passing quite a bit here, obviously with the ch- playing from behind. I think the Chiefs could go up and go up, go up, up to plays. I think they can enjoy a nice early lead here and really force Tannehill into some obvious passing situations, but 230 yards is quite a bit. So I'm, I'm certainly not playing the over, but I'm just making the case here for if you're looking to follow the trends to maybe maybe look at the under on, on Tannehill props. But um, I definitely lean the Chiefs here, especially you know, just laying seven. It's, you know, it's tough to, I'm usually not one to want to lay the points, especially more than a touchdown, but it's the only way I'd look in this one. I actually made the line, you know, closer to, it's a little over nine on my stuff. And I also feel like this is just a spot where the Titans can just be gassed after all those must-win games, mentally and physically, and, you know, kind of fat and happy after beating the Ravens last week. Obviously, they're one win away from making the Super Bowl, so they're going to be ultra, ultra motivated. But uh, I do think that the Chiefs, Are the value side here, but there is another way I'm going to get into play on the Chiefs, which I'll touch on after the next game. The NFC, the 49ers are seven and a half point favorites at home against the Packers. Totals 46 and a half, although I'm seeing a little bit of variability there. I assume some 46s. I saw 45 and a half at one point recently. Um, I wrote about this game for Bet Chicago. And Bet, Indiana News, these two teams played back in week 12, and the Niners completely dismantled Rodgers and the Packers. I think they sacked him five times. They held Rodgers to 104 passing yards. The Packers only converted one of 15 third downs in that game. That was November 24th. And it was actually like statistically one of the biggest blowouts of the 2019 regular season. But the Packers haven't lost since that game. They've won six straight. They've gone 4-2 against the spread in those games. And San Francisco, they really, and I touched on this in the article, they really needed this bye week as the number one seed in the NFC. They badly needed it because they didn't have their, their bye week in the regular season. Sorry, they had it in week four, which was very early. So, they had a really long stretch, a very difficult schedule too, and that defense really started to crumble just because of injuries more than anything else. I mean, D Ford, Quad Alexander, Richard Sherman got banged up. A lot of guys were banged up on that on that defense, and that defense you know, is one of the best in the league. I mean, you know, besides the Patriots' defense this year. I mean, they're the, the Niners were number two in DVOA on defense, and they're obviously a super strong unit. Obviously, they're that's where, why they're in this spot, the number one seed in the NFC. Is their it's their defense and also a really effective running game, as well. But all the Niners did in their last game was just run it out and dominate in the second half. After a more back and forth first couple quarters against the Vikings, the Packers they won twenty eight to twenty three over the Seahawks, covering as four and a half point favorites. They took care of business there and stopped Russell Wilson at the right time. Packers did. The metrics are not kind to the Packers, and I've touched on this. I touched on this in the article. We've been all over this about Chicago and been in Indiana past several weeks how the Packers and the Seahawks too they were one of the most overrated teams in the playoffs just from a metric standpoint they were actually out game this year they're number 19 in net yards per play the Niners are number two in net yards per play that's a huge difference for from a football analytics standpoint yards per play is a huge massively important metric and they were actually bottom half I mean not even they're number 20 entering last week's game and net yards per play, the Packers were so that's a huge red flag. Packers also getting lucky in one score games this year, nine and one in those games. That definitely regresses in the long run. I mean, look at last you know the Bears last year and stuff. Other teams that have regressed accordingly. So that's something that you just can't keep up. They're more the looks of like a ten and seven team right now, or like a you know ten and six regular season team, maybe eleven and six, even you know, in that range. But they got lucky in those in those one score games this year, and from a metric standpoint, I mean, the Niners just dominate on the run game and, and I it's the way I want to look. The Niners lay in the points. I did get involved at, at minus seven and minus 105 juice. I, I would not lay seven and a half and I actually think the line is pretty close to where it should be. I was more or less just getting involved in a position where you know, I saw the market moving, so I took that that low juice, But and I'll tell you what my, my betting strategy is going to be for, for Sunday here in a second, but the big sticking point for me is issues trusting Jimmy Garoppolo. Obviously, he's never been on the stage before, and Aaron Rodgers has. That's a really tough matchup. If you're backing the Niners to back Garoppolo against Aaron Rodgers, uh, for those looking to lay the n- the lumber with the home team, that's that's problematic. It's something I've. <laughs> that's that's definitely a not a feather in the cap for for backing San Fran here. So spread wise, I think it's pretty damn near where it should be. But there are some props in this one. And props to Joe Rogers, co-worker. Obviously, he's been on the podcast here several times recently. Um, He wrote up a prop article for our sites on this game. And I I totally agree with his take on Garoppolo um, on completions under Um, Jimmy G. I think the number that Joe posted was 20. I heard something about 22. I, I haven't been able to get at it yet. But you know, really anything 20 or better on completions on Garoppolo, I, I totally agree. I'm going to get into play on that as well. He only threw the ball 19 times. Threw the ball, so attempts, 19 times last week. Um, in 11 of 17 games this year, he didn't complete over 22, and four of the six games where he did were against NFC West competition. So I think you know those are those closer games where he maybe wanted to throw it a little bit more, a little more important, be a little more aggressive uh, from Shanahan's point of view, Coach Kyle Shanahan. So I, you know, I look at the under completions here. You saw last week that Shanahan was reluctant to to pass it with Jimmy G with the lead. He just wanted to run the ball out. He didn't want to put any trust in this guy. And I love Jimmy G. Don't get me wrong, but um, under completions, I think is a great look. And that one, I also want to take a look at his under passing yards in the high two forties range. Maybe anything you know, two forty two, two forty 240 or better really is is where I'd look at the under on Jimmy G's passing yards in this one. And then Joe. You know, in his article, he also likes Jimmy Graham under twenty-four and a half receiving yards on Sunday, and Raheem Mostert to score a touchdown at plus one thirty. I think that's a you know, good number on Mostert to score at plus one thirty, especially. And Joe gives his reasoning in the article. I'm not going to totally dive into the reasoning why he likes that. The Jimmy G one's interesting, especially when you consider how you know the game script was perfect for him in their last game, but he I believe had one catch for. Just minimal yardage against the Niners last time. The Niners defense, fantastic, obviously, defending the pass. But at the same time, I think the Niners, I mean, Devonta Adams has been a world beater for the Packers past few games. I think the Niners might be keying in on him and make the Packers beat them in another way. So that's why I'd be worried about that prop staying under, especially if the Packers are looking to pass it and obvious passing downs early in the game. But Joe likes that Jimmy Graham under 24 and a half receiving yards. And Mostert to score the touchdown. And like I said, the the Garoppolo one that I'm totally in agreement with, Garoppolo under completions. But San Francisco is clearly the better team here. I do expect them to win. And that ties into my play of the week, the teaser of the week, the teaser of the playoffs. My play here is I'm teasing the two home teams. I think it's going to be Kansas City and San Francisco in the Super Bowl. I do. Think that the Packers have a better chance of beating the Niners than the Titans do of beating the Chiefs, but both these lines are, are very similar. I was able to tease them actually down to minus to minus one and pay out at minus 110 on that, which is fantastic. A money line parlay, if you're going to do a money line parlay, this just explains why teasers teasing through the key numbers of 7 3 is so important. Uh, money line parlay on those same two teams significantly worse. So 110 pays 100 for the teaser down to minus one, so each team Essentially has to win the game outright. Obviously you push on one of the legs if they win by exactly one, but essentially asking the teams to win outright, hundred and ten pays a hundred. But if you're doing a money line parlay, hundred and ten bucks on those two teams pays out around seventy five. Maybe a tick above seventy five dollars. So that shows the, the difference in payout and why These teasers are so valuable. That's the way I'm looking to play it. I I have the teaser. I took a small position, like I said earlier, on San Francisco minus 7 minus 105. And the way I'm going to play this is, if and I expect Kansas City to win against the Titans, obviously, nothing set in stone. But if Kansas City takes care of business on their end of the teaser, I'm probably going to look to play back a teeny bit of of the position on the Packers at plus 7.5 or better. I'll scoop everything if San Francisco wins by a touchdown. I'll middle it if... Obviously, if San Francisco wins by seven or less. So it's a great spot, I think, especially getting that minus seven and minus 105 juice and it, taking plus seven and a half better at normal juices. is, is fine just on its own because games land seven so many times. You're going to win the long run if you keep doing that. But uh, that's my that's the way I'm doing it. It took a little bit more of a position than I normally would on the teaser, just with the reasoning that, that the first leg comes through. I might look to play a bit. I'm almost certainly going to play a little bit back on the Packers, Um, maybe a quarter of the position or something like that and just really root root for numbers to fall that's what i love doing the most uh, in sports betting but teaser of the week nfl playoffs packers or sorry not the packers the chiefs with the 49ers and that's gonna do it for this episode of the doggy juice podcast as usual follow me on twitter and instagram at doggy juice i'll be back next week with Some first looks at the Super Bowl lines. I'm just going to bring on some guests to talk about Super Bowl props and then really dive into college basketball more, especially as the NFL winds down. We only got three more NFL games left. Very sad. Next time I talk to you, we're just going to have one more football game left until next fall. Just kidding. We have the XFL coming, baby. That's going to be fun, too. But college basketball is really going to take over here at the Doggy Juice Pod um, very soon. So I will talk to you all soon. Have a great weekend, good luck with your bets, and enjoy the games. Doggy Juice, out.